So as this is a discipleship-based podcast, we'd like to answer questions when they come in the best we can. Uh, never claim to be the final word on anything, but we do look to the word to be the final word. And so we try to understand it and answer um, questions as they come up best we can from a biblical perspective. And so that being said, we had a great question come in from Multi-Creative Artist, which is a name I think is pretty awesome. Uh, do you think we can marry during the 1,000 years reign of Christ on the earth? Uh, can we marry during the millennial kingdom? Um, well, it's interesting that you say, can we? Okay, because I think there is, uh, there is an interesting answer to this question that I think bears out scripturally. Um, let me start by inviting you to go to uh, Matthew chapter 22. Of course, you always want to have your Bible ready to go. And this is, a, uh, this is an interesting passage. Um, I'm going to read it. It's uh, Matthew 22, starting in verse 23, where uh, the same day the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were with us seven brothers. The first died after he had married, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third, even to the seventh. My old pastor used to say at this point, you know, if at this point, you know, guys, you ought to start checking the coffee or something. Something's up here. But anyway, last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. And when the multitudes heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Now, there's a number of things he deals with in this passage here. Um, one misunderstanding of this passage is that um, some have taken this to mean that people become like angels in terms of like being angelic when you're in the resurrection. That's not true. You remain you with the glorified bodies we've spoken to. Um, matter of fact, just in the last post, we talked about the rapture and the ideas of the first and second resurrection as, as the scripture bears them out. And so, um, in the resurrection, people, human beings, are raised up physically. In, in, if you're a believer, you're raised up in a glorified body. If you're an unbeliever, uh, you're raised up physically, but for judgment. And presum presumably, you wouldn't equate that body as being glorified per se, uh, but may very well be this body, yet somehow um, fit for eternity as well for the punishment that, that ensues. Um, so, but, so we don't become like angels. Um, this is also an interesting passage, by the way, um, as kind of an aside before we get to the main answer to the question, but this is kind of important. I've found it to be valuable, I should say, um, when working, uh, when witnessing to Mormons, uh, those of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, um, because they believe in something called celestial marriage. Uh, it is a concept that essentially uh, is based on the idea that if a husband and wife choose to um, make their marriage an eternal marriage, they would go into the temple, um, the rites would be followed, and, and they would um, you know, sort of bond themselves together in what they call celestial marriage, the idea that for all eternity they'll be married. And so um, <clears throat> when the question of contradictions between Scripture and Mormon theology come up, generally they'll always say there isn't one. Well, this is a great one to bring up. Um, uh, well, you guys say you can be married forever. Jesus here himself, speaking authoritatively, says that there is no marriage in the resurrection. So 
how, what gives, you know? Um, I, there may be an answer that is standard Mormon response to this, but I've never heard one that, that really responds to this. I've had a number of Mormons over the years that I brought that to, and I've asked them to, you know, think it through, get back to me, and they never do. So, uh, this might be a good, uh, a good resource to just sort of remember in that regard. But let's get to the question at hand. Uh, can we, can we get married in the millennium? Um, According to this passage, in the resurrection, there is no marriage. So what that means is, if we understand, if our understanding of the millennium is correct, then what happens as Jesus returns to the earth is that he comes with those who have been raptured away and have already received their glorified bodies. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18, also 1 Corinthians 15, 50 to 58. So those of us who are raptured away and we return with Christ, we have our resurrection bodies. Okay, um, the idea of the the saints of old, the Old Testament saints, at some point, in concert with Christ's return, they also receive their glorified bodies. Uh, there's some debate about wh- when that happens, but presumably they would enter the millennium with glorified bodies as well, and this kind of thing. So basically, anybody who's a believer in the millennial kingdom who is ruling and reigning with Christ, um, except for one group would be there with a glorified body. There is one group, however, that is, uh, that is separate from that. Um, and that is, those, uh, that is the group that uh, are among those who are believers during the Great Tribulation. Somehow they manage to survive the, the wrath of Antichrist coming through. They survive the, uh, that whole period of time without taking the mark of the beast or bowing down and worshiping his image. They are believers, and they enter the millennium having not been raptured away, having not been resurrected, but they enter the millennium physically in their physical bodies. And longevity seems to be added to them uh, because uh, there is mention about, there, there's kind of a torn view about whether there is death in the millennium or not, but at the very least, if anyone does die, they'll die very, very old. A uh, hundred is seen as being like an infant in the millennial age, according to Isaiah 65. And so... Um, so there is this group that enters the millennial kingdom who, uh, who are not resurrected. They have just entered in. And so um, they will receive glorified bodies at some point, presumably you know, at the end of the millennium, um, we, you know, when, when, you know, at some point of that, that period. But for the, during the duration of the millennium, they're still in their physical bodies like, like we are now. And so... As a matter of fact, let's turn at this point to Revelation chapter um, twenty because we we're, cert- we're we're piecing things together here from Scripture without having a very definitive, clear okay, here's what it is kind of thing. But it is a reasonable putting things together. Um, in uh, in Revelation twenty, we have Satan being bound for a thousand years after Christ's return. He puts down this rebellion against. The return of Christ, Jesus, and the saints that return, 10,000 of his saints. According to Jude, we've got uh, the armies of heaven, again, are mentioned here in Revelation 19, coming with Christ. And he puts down with the word of his mouth this whole rebellion. Uh, all of those who are in rebellion against him at his return are killed. The, uh, the uh, Antichrist and false prophet, the first and second beast, are cast into the lake of fire, foregoing even the great white throne. They are just put into the lake of fire. They are in their final destination from that point on. Uh, and then Satan is bound for a thousand years. 
and then he is loose. During that thousand years, the millennial kingdom is taking place. So at the end of the millennial kingdom, Satan is, is released and he has um, a period of time in which he is able to work and gather together any among the nations who will join him in one final rebellion against Christ who is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. Now, we may ask ourselves, if I can sound like David Byrne for a minute, you may ask yourself, where do these people come from? I mean, after all, is it, I thought it was just believers who went into the millennium. Jesus destroyed everybody who tried to stop his second coming, and he enters the millennium. He brings with him the saints uh, that were raptured away, uh, the, the, you know, the, the, even the believers during the tribulation, the great tribulation period who make it through, don't take the mark. They enter in their believers. Um, the Old Testament saints uh, rule and reign. David rules and reigns. So just all this, they're all believers. Like, where do the unbelievers come from? Well, again, there's this one group that enters into the millennium that have not been resurrected. They just live in their physical bodies. And so they, presumably, because as Satan, uh, again, in verse 7, now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. He'll go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, which, by the way, will be part of another question we're going to answer uh, in the next post, um, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. In Zechariah 14, there is mention of how every year the people of the earth will come to Jerusalem to worship. Uh, they'll celebrate the Feast of Booths. They'll come to worship. There'll be this wonderful opportunity each year to come to Jerusalem and worship the Lord. That seems to imply a number of things. Number one, that the nations in some form still exist, similar to what we know now, maybe not exactly what we know now, but in some form still exist. Uh, presumably, we will be ruling and reigning over some of those kinds of things, over those areas and territories and in, 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 in some kind of a kingdom government thing under Christ. And in concert with that, from year to year, we will all go up and worship in Jerusalem. Now, in Zechariah 14, it mentions this, and then it also says that upon those who don't come to Jerusalem to worship, God is not going to send rain on their territories. And so um, there is this there there is this sense that apparently people will, you know, believers will all want to go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, right? I mean, that's the whole, we're his, right? We want to go there and be, and, and be with him. But there will be some who don't. And one would assume then that those are, and it's never really safe to assume, but it would seem reasonable that these people are among those who don't necessarily, uh, aren't necessarily the Lord's. They they know he's there, they see him ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, but yet at the same time, they've not really put their trust in him. They, they've not become followers of Christ, you know, whatever that looks like in that situation. But there are those that are still freely choosing to reject him on some level. And, and so here in Revelation 20, it would seem that these are those that Satan gathers up. Now, what is particularly disturbing about that is that there are as many as, as to be, you know, equated with like the sand of the sea. You know, it's just there are so many who are so still firmly uh, resistant of Christ um, that, they, that they join with Satan against him in this final rebellion. Well, where do they come from, though? Well, those who enter the millennium who are not resurrected, um, some of them will already be married. You know, there will be married couples who get saved during the tribulation period, uh, who enter into the millennium, and they're still in their physical bodies. They enter in, and they are still married, right? Till death do us part, right? So they are still married. Um, other people who became believers who were single will presumably be able to get married during the millennium and that kind of thing. The, however, those who were believers at Christ's return and came back with him, 
uh, and receive their glorified bodies. That's the best way to put it. Those who are in their resurrected bodies, according to Matthew chapter 22, will not be married, um, nor will they get married during that time. But in that respect, they will be like the angels. There is no new marriage in this uh, thing among believers in resurrected bodies. And in heaven, there is no marriage. Uh, at that point, all of those relationships have reached their fulfillment, uh, and, and they no longer exist in heaven. Um, but during the millennial period, there is a group that will be able to get married, and that is that would be those who enter the millennium in their glorified body. Or, I'm sorry, uh, those who enter the millennium uh, who are in their natural bodies, and then those who are born to them uh, during the millennial period. And of course, some of those who uh, are born to them are going to become those who rebel against uh, Christ with Satan at the end of the thousand-year millennium. So now again, there's there's not a verse that says this per se, but this again is how we develop a, a sense of doctrine in these ideas. Um, some of these concepts and ideas you can't be totally dogmatic about, but it is it is completely reasonable to see that that is how that plays out. And so we have to answer the questions like, well, where do these re- rebellious people come from? Um, you know, is there in fact marriage in the millennium? We we answer these questions to the best of our ability in Scripture, and this is how we arrive at that. We look at what the scriptures say about that time, what what they say about the condition that we're in. Remember, Jesus said, "In the resurrection, um, we um, you know we were not married nor given in marriage, and that kind of thing." But it's it's in that condition that we're not. However, if you're not in that condition, it does appear, based on what we see in Revelation 20, with this apparently enormous number of people that that do grow in rebellion against Christ, even after having seen Him. Um, they, you know, there, there is an explanation to that. And I think it's a reasonable one. So, um, there you go. Uh, can we kind of mentioned it was interesting that we said we, you and I as believers will not be married in the millennium, but, uh, those who are in their natural bodies who enter the millennium, uh, or who are born during that time, uh, can get married. And uh, at least it would certainly seem so from, uh, from the passages that we looked at. So anyway, so that being said, that is uh, hopefully a reasonable explanation to that. Um, And uh, if you have any further questions about that kind of thing, or for that matter, whatever uh, you have a question about in regard to the Christian faith, the Word of God, uh, prophecy, any of those kinds of things, we like to, again, give it our best shot. So you can feel free to share that in the comments section. Uh, You can email me at pastorbrian at calvarychapelfranklin.com. You can go to my personal website at parsonspad.com as well. You can watch these videos there. You can also interact from there. And, uh, of course, if you're ever coming through Middle Tennessee and you're passing anywhere uh, in or around Franklin, come out and pay us a visit on a Sunday morning. Uh, if you're, We have our midweek study as well on Wednesday nights, but we meet in a different location. Those addresses are on our website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. Of course, we'd love to have you pay us a visit. We'd love to meet you. And, um, and uh, in any case, uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace forever. And, Father, we do pray that you'd... Uh, Uh, Lay that blessing upon us, that, Father, we would find our rest and our peace in you. We thank you that your word does speak to so many of these issues that uh, we wonder about, want to know about. Uh, Certainly, your word has laid out uh, in grand fashion so much of what is about to come. And we thank you that even those things that aren't abundantly clear, there's still a way to sort of approach them from your word. And we thank you for the wisdom in that. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit's inspiration of your scriptures. And so thank you uh, for giving us the chance to read them and help us to become deeper and deeper students of your word. And as we do, help us to become uh, more deeply in love and to be all the more committed in our daily walking with the Lord who gave us the word. So thank you for this, Father. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.